do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 489. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, I want to first thank our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He's a bald-headed beauty, and he does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. If you're interested or have a house project coming up, give him a call, 630-956-1800. Tell him, Jeremy, uh, tell him Todd and Kathy sent you and that... Uh, and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> right, sweetie? Yep. Um, and then we have a, an event coming up in October of 2019. Correct. 1440. Yes. Um, it's a Zen Parenting Workshop. Yeah. So basically, you know, Todd and I have this conference that we do every, you know, February, February March. or March. And that's in Chicago. So we were hoping to have something at the other half of the year um, that was in, you know, maybe the West Coast or the East Coast. Anyway. We are going to be at Multiversity in California. What's the town Scotts? Scotts Valley. I think it's Scotts Let's Valley. Let's go with that. Um, anyway, and it's we, right outside of San Jose. Yes, we will be giving a workshop. It's all weekend long, so yeah. it's kind of like similar. It's not like the conference because the conference we all, we have other people speaking, but mm. it's like the conference in that we get an opportunity to do like an extended, um, you know an extended visit, obviously, in a way to connect with people and also an opportunity to teach three days in a row, which is pretty fun. Yeah. Did you say all night long? No, I didn't even say all night long. All weekend long. I didn't say that either. I think you said all weekend long. Did I? I think so. Oh. We're going to be teaching all weekend long. Did, maybe I did say that. But uh, is I this going to be our theme song? I wasn't Do thinking about I think this is Lionel's fate best song ever. Do you? I love this song. I'm I'm confident in my masculinity to say that this is li- that I love this song. This kind of song makes you want to do this. Yeah. Like I'm you guys can't see me but I'm Yeah. It's like a controlled kind of rhythm dancing. I can't explain it. But you know what my you know my favorite song is not that. It is You Are you are everybody. No, that's that's um, actually it's you all. Everybody. Drive shaft, sweetie. Who's drive shaft? Drive shaft from Lost. What does that mean? Lost is a show. Lost is so old. We just age ourselves so much when we talk about Lost. I know it's so good though. You know, it's kind. Of, the way we felt about Lost is the way people feel about Game of Thrones. And you and I never started Game of Thrones. Is this a real song? No. And you know what? It's you all, everybody. Right. I, I said you, you are, are, everybody. You all, everybody. Yeah. Anyway, anywho. I digress, no. sweetie. You are by Lionel Richie is the best song. So let's let's jump in to what we're going to talk about. What's the about. topic? So I wanted to talk about permission slips. Um, there's so many things that came up this weekend that all kind of connects to this idea. So here's the things that came up. Uh, we had a Zen talk on Friday where we talked about certain things around uh, permission. Yeah. 
Um, I didn't really articulate it that way on the Zen talk, but I realized that that's what it was about. Mm-hmm. Um, we also watched a pretty amazing documentary um, that our daughter kept telling us for weeks. Our oldest daughter's like, we got to watch this together. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We finally watched it last night. It was amazing. It was called The Dawn Wall. Right. And it was similar to Free Solo because it's people who climb El Capitan. Right? Yeah. They climb big rocks. And it's un. Believable. It's pretty unbelievable. Yes, yeah, you should watch them both. Um, they're both child appropriate. Oh, completely. And here's the thing, you guys. I am not like the most outdoorsy person in the world. Like I have a, a a love of nature and outdoors, but I'm not like a hiker and rock climber kind of person. You love to camp, sweetie, in the wilderness. <laughs> I love I love to camp all day long until it's time for bed, and then I like to go inside. Um, <laughs> But I really, it it doesn't matter is what my point is, is you don't have to understand anything about rock climbing um, or bouldering or, you know, free soloing or anything to appreciate the stories in this movie. So, so anyway, so we watch that and then, you know, stuff going on in my own life. And then I got Oprah's new book um, called The Path Made Clear. So Oprah's put out these books over the course of the last five years or so that are basically just compilations of like the best wisdom from Super Soul Sunday or from interviews that she's done in Oprah magazine. She's basically taken clips of the best of the best from from the best of the best and made it into a book. So I was reading this last night. And then so all of those pieces came together to to focus on how so many of us in our lives, we wait or think we need to ask for permission Mm -hmm. to live. And this shows up in many, many different ways. So one of the, you know, I'll start with like the Zen talk. We were talking about um, with some people who they ask similar questions about how do I get my partner to understand that I need to do this? Or how do I get my children to understand what I need to do? Or how do I get... So do you remember like, you know, and I, and I know Todd that I have historically been like this too. And maybe I, think I we all have. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't think it's a bad thing if we're partnered with somebody or we are in a family or in a relationship to assess where people are with our decision-making. Mm-hmm. I am not of the thinking that you, you choose for yourself and then you bulldoze everyone's way into your right. decision. The you know, balance. it, it is a balance. It, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is we even we look for somebody else to validate our choice before we even think about the possibility of it. Yeah. And that kind of processing is going to keep us stuck. You know what I mean? Like, because everybody has their own like, for example, Todd, if I came to you and said, Todd, what do you think I should do? for a living or what do you think I should focus on? What you're going to tell me is going to be based on your life story. Right. I'm going to tell you, well, I mean, it depends. Actually, my answer would probably be whatever you want to do, but you know, that probably wouldn't help that much. If you're truly looking for some counseling, you know, when I say counseling, I mean like, you know, feedback, advice, whatever. Um, it might be, you know, I would probably say whatever you want to do, but some other people would be like, I think you should do this because of dot, 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 and bring right. in my own baggage into whatever advice I might have. Exactly. And, you know, you're using the word baggage, which is a good word. It's not, but experiences, experiences like we, we apply our internal GPS onto somebody else's life, mm-hmm. right? We take 
you know, our fears or our experiences that were even good and say, well, you should go in this direction because that's what people do. Like, you know, let me go back way far a long, long time ago um, in my 20s when I was trying to figure out when I was working as a teacher and, you know, in a more administrative kind of teaching job. I was trying to figure out what to do. And my boss, who cared about me very, very much, said, you need to go get your MBA. That's what people do at this stage. Now, in his life, that was really effective. And in his way, the way his brain works and the way what he enjoyed in the world, an MBA made sense. Mm -hmm. That made no sense in my life. But if I would have looked at him and said, well, he's, you know, he's my boss. He cares about me. He's been a good mentor. He's a smart guy. He's been successful. I should do what he says to do, even though it has nothing to do with me. Right. You know, so here's uh, I'm going to kind of share a few things as we go through this uh, podcast that I got from Oprah's book that kind of relate. Um, And so one of them, one of the, you know, things that's in this book is Elizabeth Gilbert uh, talking about her experience with permission to live her life. Mm. And I, I don't know if I could think of an author that I appreciate who hasn't, uh, who's like Elizabeth Gilbert, meaning that, you know, many of us have been with her since even before Eat, Pray, Love, and then kind of watched her life path. And I don't think there's anyone that I've watched who has demonstrated more of an ability to just do what they know is best for them. Yeah. Make your own path. In every way. Like choosing to not marry and then choosing to marry, choosing to not have children, then divorcing, uh, being in love with a man, then being in love with a woman, now being in love with a man again. Like she, her life experience has been completely and it her doesn't, own. it doesn't fit society's mold. It sure doesn't. And that she doesn't ask for permission from yeah. society. Now, what she says is there are still huge swaths of women who never got the memo that their lives belong to them. There's this instinct that they need a permission slip from the principal's office for everything. And I just, you know, I just laugh because we really do carry this belief that someone's got to sign off on what we're doing. You are allowed to ask yourself some really important questions about your life. You are allowed to take accountability and ownership for your life. You, you're allowed to ask what serves you. I know you've been trained to serve everyone else, but you're allowed to turn that on yourself and honor the life you were given. Mm. And again, so I think this is, and you tell me, but I think this can be a little different with men and women. I think women really have been served up to get permission because that is our history. Mm. You know, that is our transgenerational Mm. history, even if we're not aware of it. You know, it, it, we have been kind of told you've got to make sure this works for everybody else first. Yeah. I think we, as guys are predisposed and encouraged to make our own way, make your mark, make your mark. (laughs) Yeah. Like Andrew from breakfast club. Uh, that's what, uh, that's what I think his dad says to him. But anyways, um, whereas I think women and girls are taught to be a little bit more, um, I don't know, kind of what you just said, subservient or... And and be more of the nurturing factor, yeah. like be more of the, I will do this so you can do that. And again, there are times for that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't, this is, this is why this conversation, this is why this kind of, um, 
thing is a conversation and it's very nuanced because there are no absolutes about it. There are times when Todd needs to do something or if it be around family or around work where I want to support him in doing that so I will stay home or change my work life to manage that. It makes most sense in that way. And I don't find myself doing that thinking I'm subservient at all. Um, But there have been plenty of times where I have been wanting to do something myself and my, and I think initially, you tell me again, initially in our relationship, I would be more like, what do you think? What do you think? Yeah, you were still conditioned from our society. And as you grew from your early 30s into your later 40s, I think every year you've been a little bit more you know, standing in your, um, I don't know, I say standing in your warrior, which means, no, I'm going to do this. And that doesn't mean you, like, to your point, it doesn't mean that you, like, tell everybody else to screw off. Like, you need to, like, you know, be a part of a system. But at the same time, you do need to um, stand inside of your own life. And I think the older you have gotten, the better you have become at it. And, you know, like I said, I think this is... This might make more sense to women, but us guys uh, feel the exact same way, but probably just to a lesser degree from a, um, you know, from a society standpoint. Yeah, you probably know that you have more options yet you still feel stuck in your responsibilities sure. sometimes, you know, like where you don't move or, you know, you don't change anything out of fear mm-hmm. or out of just pure um, it's not even, it, it's not contentment. It, it's like a sense of why bother mm-hmm. or, um, what, it, what is that word I'm looking for where we just stay stuck in what we're doing? Um, it's it, cause lazy is what's coming to me, but that's really not it. Right. I, I know the word you're thinking Apathetic, of. Apathetic. Yeah. Like, you know, this is just the way it is. And here's the thing. This is, um, what we need to, when we're having this conversation, what we need to trust in ourselves is a few things. Number one, that purpose in our lives is is dynamic and it's always changing and that it's not like, oh, I got this job, now I live in this house, so my life is going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Things are always changing and we're always being given signs, feelings, information, experiences that create that change yeah. and that we can trust that moving forward, because again, if purpose is dynamic, then that means that things you're constantly like letting go and moving forward, letting go and moving forward, that that's a good thing. Yeah. And that sometimes it can be hard to, um, you know, sometimes it can be difficult or there's a grief process in letting something go, but forward is the way we're supposed to go. Well, and you have to be open to these signs that show yes. up. Yes. I think most of the time we get so jaded and bogged down with our day-to-day responsibilities that, you know, the universe is whispering to us saying, hey, maybe you should turn a little bit in this direction. And then hopefully if you, you know, if, if you don't do that, maybe the universe will use a slightly louder voice saying, oh, maybe you should do that. Like I have a few buddies that have recently lost their jobs and believe me, I'm not going to tell them, hey, um, you know, this is a gift because it's not. But in the end, uh, you're not supposed to be at that job. If you right. got let go, it's time for you to kind of go do something different. As a, And what we do is we resist, like, how did I lose that job? What did I do that I screwed up on? And I'm like... And how do I get it back? And how do I get it back? And I'm like, you're not supposed to get it back. Um, and once you come full circle and come through it, you will look at this experience 
as a gift. But right now it's not a gift. It just sucks because you're worried about money and you're worried about these things. So anyways. Well, uh, you know, again, going back to Oprah's book, there is this um, interview that she did with Pema Chodron, who is a mindfulness teacher, and she is a monk, correct? Yeah. Pema's a monk. Um, and she talks about one of the quotes she says is, she says, my whole life I've had that instinct of what's forward. I don't know if that makes any sense, she says, but Oprah says, it makes all the sense to me. I think everybody has patterns, and it's your job to figure out what your pattern is. Somehow there's always a forward. And I I really related, you know, and again, I just love it when people give me words for my own experiences, is because I always know what forward feels like. Like I will get a feeling about something like, this isn't working for me anymore. And and initially it doesn't mean that I, I don't just quit or say I'm not doing it or I'm out, but there's this kind of feeling I get in my stomach and it has nothing to do with external. It's not because they're not paying me enough or because um, I'm trying to, you know, demonstrate my worth in a different way or anything. It's like a it's and I usually start by I you know I feel lucky that Todd's such a good friend to me because I usually start by telling him I don't think I'm supposed to be doing this anymore and he'll usually ask me questions or we'll go back and forth and I don't do anything immediately mm -hmm. I'm not it's not I don't really jump the gun too fast but it's like I know and the more I speak it out loud the more empowered I feel to let something go. Yeah. And when I say this, I think sometimes when we talk about letting go, and I'll speak for myself, it can feel scary. Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean? Or does that mean I have to let go of people I love? Or does that mean I can't be friends with this person anymore? Or does that mean I have to move? Like, not everything is so dramatic. Like, sometimes, like, I remember this issue I had with a friend a long time ago, and I had so much grief about it and so much stress about it and so much worry about it. I used to cry all the time. And then eventually I realized that things did need to change, but it just needed to change inside of me. Yeah. I could still remain friends with this person and love that person. I just needed to view the relationship differently. I, didn't, I, I think sometimes we get so black and white, like, well, if that's not working, and then I need to cut them off, mm -hmm. and I never need to see them again. And sometimes it doesn't need to be so dramatic. Now, here, I, in just in that two minutes of dialogue, I was talking about you know, how sometimes I know I need to move forward from a job or from a situation. And then I was talking about a person, but that's what I mean is the practice of moving forward is again, it's dynamic. It's happening all the time. And the more comfortable we can get with change is happening all the time. Even, even if it's uh minor, mm -hmm. even if it's, you know, like Todd, I'm waiting for the day when you say, I'm not going to wear this rainbow sweatshirt anymore. That's not going to happen, sweetie. Todd, every time we tape the show, is wearing a rainbow sweatshirt. It's very comfortable. And that's the thing is there will be a forward-thinking day where we find you a new sweatshirt that's know, just man. as comfortable. I really like the sweatshirt. I know, but there there might be a day, and when that day comes, we'll have a small celebration. Yes, and we'll burn it and give it back to the universe. Yes, and it was it did it worked. But it'll for be you. a while. It might be a while. Um, You're not getting that forward-thinking feeling no. quite yet? So a few things. One is, because okay. I, I know you, that you are um, hypersensitive to making sure that we get certain things right. Yes, please. Uh, Pema is an American Tibetan Buddhist. She's an ordained nun. Nun, okay. So she's not a monk. So that's why I felt like monk is just masculine, right? I don't know. For all you Zen Buddhists out there, tell us what uh, if 
females can be monks. She's 82 years old. Oh, my goodness. Um, she's she's one of my heroes. I love her. Um, so I want to focus in on what you're talking about as far as moving forward. Okay. Uh, so a few things came to me. One is um, I do – it's funny. I just had a conversation with a friend of mine on Saturday morning who said that he wants to be a security guard and he doesn't want to engage in other people and he just wants to just basically just do very – how can I say this? He wants to be more removed and just kind of do his work and, mm-hmm. and all that. And I said, that's fine if that's what you're what you're calling is to be a Correct. security guard mm-hmm. and and not do it. But if it's coming from a place of fear because you don't want to engage with other people, then you might want to kind of look at that in a slightly different way. Um, and it reminded me of a story because I feel like we're put on this earth to evolve. Mm-hmm. Like I was born in 1972 and hopefully when I die in 2072 or whatever, there will be a, a, a trajectory of upward evolution. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? I don't know. It means I give back. It means that I have awarenesses that I didn't when I was born or when I was 10 or 30 or 40 or 50. I feel like, and it reminded me of the story that Eckhart Tolle talks about in A New Earth about how back in before humans even resided on this planet, it started with plants mm-hmm. and just a bunch of plants covered the earth and the ocean and all that. And then one day a flower popped up mm-hmm. and then it died real quick. And mm-hmm. then it's just slowly like, but there is a natural universal longing to be birthed, to yes. grow yes. and all that. Life wants to live. Life wants to mm-hmm. live and grow and have deeper understanding and all that. And that's something I truly believe in. So, you know, Rob Bell, um, he, what was the spirit? Oh gosh, I can't remember. I saw him for the first time when he gave the talk about that trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember what I'm talking about? Spirit I, it's is... It's actually a really good... Because you can find it on YouTube and it's yes, free. Yes, figure out what it's called I because will. this it, the first time I saw Rob Bell in, in person... Everything is spiritual? Ev- everything is spiritual. Yeah. I think that was it. And he... Um, yeah, based- it's an hour and 56 minutes. It's free on YouTube. Rob was one of our speakers a few years ago and that's a wonderful um, two-hour presentation. Absolutely. Like that, I think I saw that the year before we asked him to speak and yeah. I was like, man, yeah, he, he can take yeah, he knocked her socks information off. about his, the history of religion, first mm-hmm. of all, but then just the history of the earth mm-hmm. and how everything began. So he, he combines science and religion and yeah. basically explains everything that Todd just said, which is that life wants to live and we are evolving whether you like it or not. Right. You know, like we are constantly changing and moving, like, you know, just to get really deep about our own physical nature, our physiology, like the cells in my body... Mm are completely different than they were seven years ago. Correct. So every seven years, every cell in my body turns over. Dies and regenerates or so whatever. I am not who I was seven years ago. Now, I may have similar thoughts or, you know, I still may have my childhood memories. It's not that all of that goes away. That's that's brain stuff. Yeah. I'm just talking about body. Mm. So with that information, when we get very focused on this is just the way it is, this is the way it'll always be, this is my, uh, this is what I have the capacity for, that's not true. And that's why I want to bring in this documentary that we watched last night because I sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I'm in yoga class and it's really hot and I'm like, oh, I've been doing this plank just really too long and I'm doing this side plank and I'm like, oh, this is hard and then I'm done and I pat myself on the back and I just feel so good. And last night in this documentary, I watched these people climb 
this wall that has no hand grips and it's called freak. What is it? What is it called? Cause free solos when you do it without the, um, the right. lines, right. what they do is just climbing. Yeah. They're climbing with their buddy, but they are tied off, but they are tied off, but they, there's still nothing to hold on mm-hmm. to. It's like a, you know, a completely smooth wall and they find these little grips. Right. And not only that, but one of the climbers, this guy named Tommy Caldwell, he lost his finger at some point. The finger, one of the most important fingers. I think all 10 of your digits are really important, but your index finger is probably one of the more important ones. And he lost it in an accident. And he can still climb this wall. And then not to even mention his history that there was, that I don't remember at all, that he was actually taken captive at one point of his life. And, you know, when he was in, uh, how do you say it, Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan? Anyway, he was taken captive with a, with his girlfriend and this other guy. When and- he was climbing, he was climbing as, for recreation. Then all of a sudden he found himself that he was a hostage in this foreign country. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty outstanding documentary. And I had no idea it was going that direction. No. Anyway... They didn't eat for like six days and they still hiked and they still knew what they were doing and they still figured out how to get out of that situation. My point in telling you in like, you know, explaining me being hot in yoga class and these guys like for six days not eating or for climbing a wall that has no grips, the human body and our capacity to go beyond what we think we can do is beyond what we think Hmm. Period. Yeah. We have no idea what our capabilities are. Right. And sometimes when I'm like, whenever I believe to my, or I'd never, I tried to never believe this one, but whenever my mind says to me, you wouldn't be able to handle that, or what would you possibly do? What I try to hold on to and remember is that the capacity that I have is beyond anything I could even conceptualize mm-hmm. because I haven't, like, I kept saying as I was watching the documentary, because they were talking about, oh, the human body can go further than you think, et cetera. And I was also thinking spiritually, that's to me what the definition of grace is. When you've been pushed to a place emotionally, physically, because it's different for everybody. Not everybody is held captive and stuck on a mountain, mm-hmm. but some of us are in an emotional yeah. you know, mess yeah. where we... Don't think we can get ourselves yes, out of it. We don't think. And and I think that there's a limiting belief in, you know, not that positive mental teachers is everything, but I do feel like um, you know, whoever your teacher may be that kind of helps you believe in yourself, go get those. Like this for you, this is this book. Like this book is in book of inspirational quotes. It's going to help you be more confident to be the person that you want to be. Well, and that is, and it's not, and again, Todd's saying this book, cause I just picked this up last night. It's and it's not just this book. It's books with an S like what I do is when I find a teacher who inspires me, anyone from an actor or an actress mm-hmm. or a director or a, you know, a mountain climber or somebody like Oprah, or then I read their story. What did you learn? What were the experiences you had that I can learn from? Because usually, even if their story is 100% different, yeah. you can relate to something. Like there, one of the stories in the book last night, and, I, and again, I have heard all these interviews before, but it's something very different to read it versus hearing it. Do, do you prefer to hear it, don't you, Absolutely. Todd? I'm an audio learner. And I love podcasts, and I love to watch interviews on TV. I, I get a lot from that, but I really like to read words. Like I Because your attention is on the words, whereas yeah. when you're podcasting, you're driving or you're cleaning the kitchen or you're yes. doing something weird like that. There's like a multitask going on, sure. so I can't focus as well. So there is one of the you know people she interviewed was uh, Shauna Nyquist, who was kind of talking about her own 
history with, uh, she was always very active in her church and she was considered a leader and she was doing everything for everybody. And she was getting really sick and even overrode, overrode, is that a word? Exhausted. She was overriding her oh. own feelings. She yeah. was getting vertigo. She had migraines. She even talked about how she would just kind of out of the blue throw up a mm-hmm. few times a week because she was so overwhelmed. If you were throwing up a few times a week, your body is saying something like, I literally can't tolerate everything you're putting in me. So this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. It, not just food that you're putting in me, but the feelings and the... And she realized she's, you know, she was talking about how her body was constantly trying to tell her, you need to move forward. You need to do something different. And she didn't want to listen to it because she was very invested in being perceived a certain way by everybody else because she had somehow wrapped her worth around being perceived as competent. So she was willing to not feel good in her own body, to make sure everybody else felt good about who she was, mm-hmm. which is all made up crap anyway, because we don't know what people are thinking about us anyway. Yeah. It's really none of our business. Right. We can't control it. My reason to come back to Shauna on this point is trying to go back to the beginning of what we said about some of our you know, clients or people on Team Zen who are like, I need somebody else to validate my decisions, or I really believe that um, I need to, you know, cut back on work, or I really am not sure I want to have another child, but I'm not sure it's going to be okay with this other person, so I may have to do it anyway. It's like there has to be a point where you say, I know what I need to do, and and how can we right. work through this? So if you, so there's two different. I'll give you two different scenarios. Okay. One is a very kind of indecisive easily convinced out of a certain situation and you say like, I want to quit my job and you say to your partner, I don't know, you know, that's one way. The other way is this is what I'm going to do because it feels right. Depending on how you approach it will dictate the feedback that you get. Absolutely. You know, if you're like apprehensive about it, of course the person who you're talking to is going to be like, well, are you sure? Right. Versus if you're like totally standing in your power and owning it, I'm, I'm guessing that the person that you're talking to is going to be predisposed like, wow, you really are convinced of this and let's figure out a way to do this. That and per, Beautiful, Todd, because that's what I was going to say is your two examples were I'm not sure or I'm going to do this. And I think the middle ground is what you just said, which is I know I need to do this. Mm. So how can we do this together? You know, like, because it's like, well, I'm going to do this and I'm not even going to consult you. That can sound like I'm talking about if you're in a partnership or a marriage, then you're kind of going to the opposite extreme and saying, I don't care what you think. The opposite is I know in my own body, I have to get out of this situation or that I need to make a change or that I need more rest or that I need more help. How do we do that? Because I'm sure that I need it. Like one thing, you know, and sometimes we have to speak about something long enough, like, I know that it took me a really long time to articulate uh, to Todd about certain things I needed. Like uh, there's a million of them, but like for writing, for example, I would say simple things like, oh, I wish I could write. And Todd would be like, yep, you know, and then uh, and, and again, he was doing nothing wrong. This is not a criticism of you. This is me growing. And then eventually it was like, you know what? Writing is something I really want to do. I need to make time for it. And so Todd's like, okay, well, let's figure out on the schedule how this can be a thing. Now, many of you may think, well, that's not a really big deal, but you have to understand that when I'm writing, at least initially, no one's paying me. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So like if I go teach, I'm getting paid. If I'm doing more podcast work or if I'm doing, um, you know, I have clients in my office, money is coming in to say, I want to go right is a very different creative. It may eventually pay, but it's a creative, uh, leap, right? Well, not only that, I mean, not, I don't know much about writing, but it sounds like a very lonely place <laughs> and you're writing this book and you're getting no feedback. Like, yeah, I, I haven't even read it. The only person who's read it so far is, um, Rhea, Rhea, uh-huh. your editor. Uh-huh. So it's just like a talk about and the long play. Well, exactly. And you just use the word lonely and I have to pull back on that cause it's not lonely at all for me, mm-hmm. but you are alone. Yeah. So just a little differentiation of word. It is a long play. And sometimes the long play doesn't make sense. Like if you're doing a blog, you get it, you get your comments, you get your thumbs up. If you're writing a book, my gosh. So anyways. Well, and the thing about that is that it is a long play. And also this is where I get really deep about what do we want in our life? Because sometimes, and again, and Todd, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't want to speak for you, but I think you have been conditioned that if you're going to spend time on something, it might as well pay you. Right. Well, I used to be like that. Yeah. I mean, when you decided you want to be a yoga teacher, but you didn't think you wanted to teach yoga after you're done with the whatever $5,000 yoga instruction training thing we did, I'd be like, that's the dumbest thing ever. And now I just trust that you know what you're doing. But, you know, when we're 35, I'd be like, you're insane. Why would you spend all this time learning to be a yoga teacher and not want to teach yoga? And you just want a deeper understanding of yoga. Right. But I couldn't get out of my head like, why would we invest all this time and money and resources into something that's not going to pay you back? And here's why this this is an important conversation, even though, like Todd said, we've come a long way from there because that was like 10 years ago, is that I know or I know Todd very well and I somewhat know how he thinks. So when I approach him about things, I have to recognize that that will usually be his first comeback, Mm -hmm. not because he doesn't want to support me or love me, but because it's the way his brain is constructed, because he's been taught, you know, worth is with money and show, you know, like there's a different professionally. Yeah, you do stuff, you get paid for it. Exactly. And I think the balance that we've had to strike is that I totally understand that. And I do believe in that we have to make sure our bills are paid. Like I don't if if we were not. If we didn't have the money to pay our mortgage, then maybe writing for a full day wouldn't be a good idea. Right. Do you see what I mean? Sure. But when you have created enough space where you can make that part of your life, mm-hmm. you know, like that that is something that you can, in, that's where joy comes from, right? Right. What fills you up? If you, if, if, if your whole concern is to pay the bills and you're, if you're listening to this podcast, my guess is you have water coming through your faucet, you have a toilet somewhere in your house, you have food in the fridge and you have a roof over your head. Like those are necessities. But we as Western society people think, well, if I get this bigger house, then all of a sudden I'll be happier. And mm-hmm. it's just basically, I don't know, for me, it's a lie even though I'm still caught up with the same baggage, like, oh, I need to save a little more money for retirement. I know I'll always have food and water and everything else, but I I tend to kind of always be worried about that. And which is the way our society has has been constructed and it's how we are instructed. Like, you know, for we, we feel bad about ourselves when we realize that, but then you have to have an understanding of that. That's what we're being told constantly, you know, in school, you know, this is how you have happiness and this is what it'll mean. But the truth is, is when you get old enough, and this is, I think tends to happen around, it can happen very early for some people, but usually in your thirties into your fifties and sixties, as you start to recognize life is just about what 
brings meaning mm -hmm. into my life. And maybe I have to work to make money, but what what gives me meaning? Mm -hmm. Like what makes me feel that what makes me feel period mm. like what brings meaning into my life and it's going to be different for everybody and there can be several things it's not you know like there you know we talked last week about essentialism and about how the word priority is singular but then in the i actually said the 1990s and that wasn't it it was the 1900s oh, okay. the word priority became priorities and we started to have all sorts of different things we wanted to do which by definition, that's not what priority means. Priority should mean the first thing. But let me just generalize that word that it's okay to have a bunch of different things that sure. create We're meaning. dynamic human beings. Exactly. And that we, you know, sometimes it's being with our children and then it's being alone and then it's, you know, having your job that fulfills you. It, it, it depends. But I think the thing is, 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 you know, bringing it back to what our topic was today is permission is trusting what you feel and that forward thinking is normal, like, and that you can give yourself, I'm trying to think of another word that's synonymous with permission. Like, I'll, I'll be very simplistic. I remember Brene Brown said that before she went on uh, Super Soul Sunday with Oprah, um, she was she'd always kind of been such a serious academic, which I know the people who see Brene Brown now are like, oh, she's silly and she's funny. But that was kind of an evolving yeah. situation for her where she used to be very worried about what people thought about her and she was always very serious. And she said, I'm going to go on Super Soul Sunday and I'm going to have a good time. And to make sure she did that, she literally pulled out a piece of paper and wrote herself a permission slip. You have permission to have a good time on this show. You have, a per you have permission to be yourself. And so it gave her this freedom to go on and just be herself. Yeah. And I think I did in my meditation area, I just rec I just saw this this morning again. I forgot that I had written a post-it to myself months ago and it's sitting, it's kind of hard to explain, but I have all these things that I do where I kind of like say a prayer and I put a post-it that said, yes, you can pray for yourself first. Hmm. Because every time I was going to do a prayer, I thought, no, you should do this for Todd or either your kids or your right. mom. And I had to like say, I had to write a permission slip to myself. Right. And how long have we been teaching like the airplane metaphor where you take care of yourself first on yes. the airplane going down and then you put the mask on your kid? We've been teaching that forever. And yet you, as this evolved 47-year-old woman who's been podcasting for eight years, still needs a reminder to take care of yourself first. Exactly. And that even in something as simple as a prayer, that I am so heavily conditioned to make sure everybody else is okay first, that I feel guilty for, for focusing on me first, even in the quiet of my own mind, mm -hmm. Todd. Think yeah. about that. No one's around. Yeah. No one's in my head. No one knows who I'm praying for first. Yeah. And I had to write myself. Now, the beauty is having that post-it there has shifted everything for me because now what I'm doing is rewiring that conditioning that just like Todd said with the metaphor, it doesn't make sense to pray for everybody else first if I can't show up for them. Mm -hmm. Like that makes no sense. But this is why we get all messed up is that we think we, you know, like as I'll just speak to people, you know, people who have my similar experience. If you are a mother and you are, you know, part of a family and then you are miserable, but you're like, I need to be miserable for everybody else. You're a nightmare for everybody else if you're miserable. 
You know, yeah. like, so you are, you've been conditioned in a way that is actually making things more difficult versus... Even though you think you're doing a good job. Correct. And and that's why I'm saying this with, with you know, explaining my own story because I get it. Like, it's not, I'm not judging you. I'm saying I know that feeling and I still struggle with it quite a bit, but I've also recognized that if I was just doing things because I thought Todd would be proud of me or wouldn't be disappointed in me or Todd would be like, yay, then I would be living for Todd. Mm -hmm. And then Todd wouldn't really even have a person to, like if I was doing everything you wanted me to do, you wouldn't even even have anyone to talk to about. There, I would, I'd be like vacant. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to describe that. Do you know what I mean? Um, push against, someone to push against. Yeah. Um, well, and you know, when I just think, you know, you're sitting there and nobody's watching and you're in your meditation chair and, and yet you're doing things for other people, really you're having a conversation with your ego. Correct. And your ego is trying to play tricks on you yes. and it's very clever and it's going to say, who do you think you are? You think that you are more important than your kids or nature yes. or the world and um, so, and and that is kind of our hardwiring. Like, yes, yeah, this ego, and you don't try to shut your ego, your the voice inside your head down. You try to, you know, at least acknowledge, hey, this is not who I am. This is this clever little ego that's trying to tell me that I'm not enough. And you don't tell it to shut up. You say, oh, there you are, and that's it. Because you live here. Yeah, yeah, you're you're part of me. You're part of me. And you know noted now let's now i'm going to pray for myself <laughs> isn't that so interesting yeah. i so todd um loves michael singer i don't know if you guys know that but he um he's the bomb he wrote the untethered soul and todd when he wakes up in the middle of the night he'll listen to his like i'll go to sleep uh, i'll fall asleep listening to his voice it's just soothing to me much less the content of his words yes yeah, so he loves him and i wanted to read you something from Ooh. oprah's book that he said and you probably have heard this because again he said this in his interview but again reading it is so powerful to me so he says you know to your point about the ego the moment it starts you know the brain starts with that chitter chatter my first reaction inside is to relax i love this relax and lean away mm. I lean away from the noise the mind is making because you're going to do one of two things once it starts. You're either going to lean into it and get involved and let it pull you in, is then that's what most of us do, right? Or relax and lean away. It's such a great visual. Well, and what I think about is what I think we're used to doing. Like, oh, it's my ego. I either need to run away as fast as I can right. or I need to conquer it. Right. And lean away is that sweet spot, which is, you know, our world is the sweet spot. The sweet spot is gently lean away. It's And it's still there. He said, once you lean away and you get some space... You'll learn over time that that's the smartest thing you ever did. Why? Because you gave the noise room to pass through, which it does. And we, but we, here's the thing. I read that and that gives me such relief because one of the things I struggle with, Todd, is because I'm someone who likes to learn more and evolve and become more self-aware. Sometimes when a fear or a challenge comes up, I don't lean away. I go into it. And I don't mean I go into it in an unconscious, non-self-aware way. I mean, I just look around at every corner of it. Mm -hmm. Where'd it come from? Where'd it start? What is that? What should I call it? And like I dig into it. And in some ways that's been helpful to me in life, right? Otherwise, other ways it'll drive you nuts. Right. It gets repetitious where I was just saying, I think I was saying to you 
over spring break. I can't remember, but I feel like really it's just a feeling and a new thing just takes the space. Yeah, I think of your that ego feeling. is saying, Oh, now now your job, Kathy. The <laughs> ego is saying, now you gotta look at every nook and cranny right, of, of why everything. this is. And what Michael is saying is just lean away from it. But allow it to be there. Yeah. Because it's going to be no matter what. Well, and as, as long as we're throwing spiritual gurus your way, yeah. Jeff Foster, your our pain doesn't want to be healed, it wants to be held. Yes. And this is another way of saying the exact same thing. Yes, absolutely. I I think that, you know, all these pieces that we're trying to bring together is just remembering that we have choice, mm. you know, and that permission slips it, for me are a physical manifestation of remembering we have choice. Like I like the idea of writing myself a note. I I have I write myself notes almost every day. Like my, um, my, my meditation area is just filled with notes that I've written to myself. A lot of post-it notes. A lot sweetie. of post-it notes. And, and I do that and it's not like, oh, I write the note and everything changes. I write the note to acknowledge what I thought and what I feel and to remember. It's a way of transforming the thought in your head. You put it on paper. I feel like it's, I don't know, creating space or letting it out. I don't know. Yeah. And then remembering, like, what's funny is like today I wrote something and I put it next to another post-it and that other post-it, it was something I remember I was worried about that no longer worries me. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's interesting how you, I'll be like, oh, when I wrote that, I was afraid of blah, blah, blah. And that doesn't even exist anymore. Now the issue still exists, but I'm not afraid of it anymore. And you realize how your mind can get you worked up around certain things that aren't even really that big of a deal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess my it's not really advice, but my hope for myself and for everybody else is that if we're getting those forward thinking feelings mm -hmm. or we're feeling like something isn't working or I'm not sure what to do, because, and you don't even know, ex you may not even know what to do next. You just know that this isn't working anymore. Right. You know? And I think sometimes we get scared, like, well, that means everything's going to change and everything's going to be unknown. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Like it can just be like, I'm not going to fight anymore with this person. I'm not going to put them down. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to not trust people. I'm going to shift little things here and there because what I'm doing right now isn't working. I'm going to ask for help. That's a big one. Mm -hmm. Um I'm going to not look at my phone first thing in the morning because it depresses me. I'm going to not just say I want to meditate, but actually sit for two minutes. Like I give myself permission to do something different. And I love it. And, you know, I'm always into resources. We talked about Michael Singer. There, he His book is The Untethered Soul. If you've read that book and you really like Michael and you want to take a deeper dive into it, um, there's this eight part course that I took over uh, Christmas. It's virtual, so you don't have to leave your house. If you're interested in that, it's something called Surrender or whatever. Uh, just shoot me an email and I'll get you the details. So it's just really... Is it a book? No. So it's, it's like him, a class. It's him sitting in a lotus position. Okay. For so eight, it's a video. Okay. It's a video for eight hours, one hour a day for eight days. And it, it completely knocked my socks off. And it's to this moment, and I did this in December... It's April, and I still think about it every day. And I, it, it helps me in every exchange I have with an exchange with myself, an exchange with Kathy, an exchange with my daughter. 
um, it's just been very, very helpful. So if you're interested. Well, and you know, if there's one thing that I can say about having a voice like that or somebody else's voice who reminds you that there is other ways or that you have permission to look at things differently, it's like a, um, it, it, it's that reaction responding thing mm-hmm. that you may react to something and then when you hear his voice in your head or you you read the book or whatever, you're like, oh, I didn't need... It just creates that space. Yeah. I didn't need to react that way. Or there's another way. Yeah. You and I were just discussing this morning about a conversation we were having with our daughter. And I know for a fact that every reaction I'm having to her experience is my own trauma. Yeah. And I'm trying to even be clear with her about that. I'm saying to her, the reason I'm reacting the way I am about this is because I have a history with this. And so I'm saying that so she knows it. And I'm also saying it to remind myself, do not put your stuff on her. And you, and this morning, what you said, it was different than mine, but where you're like, sometimes Todd and I can go so quickly backwards into this like old parenting, parenting paradigm where it's like, we have to take over. Yep. Yep. And we have to remember that we don't. And our daughter is saying, I have this. She keeps telling us. I want your support, but I got this. Yeah. And Kathy and I, you know, we 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 got thrown a curveball. Yeah. And, you know. And it was, and this is what's important. Our daughter didn't throw us a curveball. No, our, our trauma. Our own inner trauma well, thrown us, threw us the curveball. And that's what this course talks all about is, you know, you know, we've been talking about don't pass your bags on your kids. Like we've been teaching this for eight years. And even, you know, with this last example, like I, I was close to passing some of my crap Me too. onto this kid. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's a continuous work in progress. It always. Is. So Because every, again, if, perp, you know, life, you know, we were saying purpose is, di- is dynamic and things change, but life is always changing. So you think you've dealt with something and it shows up differently mm-hmm. and we keep trying to use our old conditioning and our old patterning to deal with it until we realize, oh, wait, I have to be somewhat evolved and thoughtful about this experience too. Like in our lives, we're like, yeah, I'm self-aware about this, but this I'm not self-aware at all. And, and it self-awareness and not being reactive is important in every situation. And that's, that takes a lot Think of Think about that, non-reactivity. That's what that's really what we're talking about. All the Don't, time. What we want to do is we want to respond and not react. Do you know, like that's a lifelong journey because oh, yeah. our brain is wired to react. Right. And not to respond. Right. And how do you respond? You respond with awareness, with taking a breath, with changing your posture. When you know you're about to say something you regret, do something drastic, like drastically change your posture. That's another one of my teachers. That's one of his techniques is just just change the body chemistry that you have. And and if you're sitting, just stand up before you, before you uh, talk back. Or if you're standing up, sit down. Like do something different because we tend to be so engaged with the argument or with the discussion, we forget that we're about to bring some of our crap up. And, you know, I remember last week, Todd and I did a, uh, we did a sex talk in... um, DG, sweetie. uh, Downers Grove. And we were talking with the parents about, you know, how to talk to kids about sex and sexuality and all these new... We were talking about uh, sex in the 21st century and basically what that means is it's not just about the mechanics of sex anymore. It's about consent and it's about me too and it's about understanding um, our own boundaries and understanding another person's experience. It's deeper than it used to be. Sure. It's not just about... Well, it was always book. deep, but our parents didn't know that it was deep. So. Correct. Good point. It was. It's always been deep, but now we're aware of how how 
this information is so needed so we can treat each other appropriately and respect ourselves Mm. in the process. But it was, you know, we were discussing what did, what was, what were we discussing? Sweetie, did you put it in the vestibule and you forgot? (laughs) I put it We talked for two hours, so I don't remember what we were discussing. The vestibule. Oh, I know what it was. It was just a very simple explanation. Isn't that a great feeling when you you Uh, It does. It It came back up, but I don't want to lose it. Where we... (laughs) Did you lose it again? Okay, here it is. Don't talk. So reaction. It's all about reaction. Somebody asked a question about if some if my child asks me something that I'm not ready to respond to or I don't know what to say or they tell me something that's a little overwhelming to me, you know, how do I manage that? And this is the really simple answer. You know, I'm going off of what you said about changing posture and stuff. Say to them, I don't have an answer for that yet. I want to think about that because you deserve a good answer. Like, I don't want to give you some kind of, you know, quick answer. I want to really think through that. And what do we, what do we normally do? We have to have a quick, perfect answer because if we're not, we're not good parents. That's what we think. That's the story. That's the story we tell ourselves. Yes. And when we realize that actually saying, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. like even if your child is like, you know, what is our value system when it comes to sex? Not that a child's really going to say that to you, but if it's something that really kind of shocks you where you're like, wow, I don't know. Mm. What is it that I want to teach you about sex? What, you know, that requires a a thoughtful response, not a reaction. Mm -hmm. And so this practice of responding, it can show up in those kind of forms or just in a really quick conversation like, where do you want to go eat? Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying wherever you want, which is a reaction, a conditioned response of I want everyone else to be happy, maybe saying, hmm. I'm going to think about that and I'll give some options. The family may not choose your option, but at least you're able to speak what you wanted. Yeah. We're in our family, we always speak where we want to go eat and it doesn't always work out very well. I feel like that's our Achilles heel as a family. I know, we all want different food. I know. But is that bad? Have we made that a bad thing rather than we just all I think like it's different a things? It's a little bad. It's annoying. Let's be a little more accommodating. But we always end up being accommodating. Right, but everybody no. Sometimes some people get pissed. Right. But do they still go along with yes. the situation? Well, then is that a bad thing? I think that's I just want to do it when nobody gets mad. I just don't know if we have yet been like, we're going here to eat and everyone goes, yay. Noodles and company, sort of. No, Sky's not a huge fan. Barnaby's. You're a fan. That Barnaby's. Everybody loves Barnaby's. I don't know. Barnaby's. There's one in Displays. There's one in uh, Niles, I think. It's just the best thin crust pizza. You know what? I really do love Barnaby's, but you're the only one who gets super excited. We go there for you. No, everybody's excited as I am. I don't know. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, All right. So a few things. Uh, We have some new Team Zen members. Um, Actually, they're not brand new, but I haven't thanked them for joining the team. Jacqueline Lee, Brittany Flanagan, Esty Grant, Mandy Trainer, Lisa Adamanelli, Judy Ransford, AJ Herzog, Sarah DeKalb, Courtney Anders, and Abigail Billington. Why did you say her last name like that? Uh, which one? DeKalb. Because that's your hometown, sweetie. Because she has a middle name, but I didn't know. I got she, it. Yeah. So anyways, so that's Team Zen. So Team Zen, we do two Zen Talks a month. Uh, it's kind of the engine that propels what everything Kathy and I do. Um, and what Tad means by that is that is our place that we can ex- we put more energy and time into people's 
questions. Like if you listen to our show and you're like, I wish I could ask Kathy and Todd a question. Join Team Zen. Join Team Zen because we have Zen Talks. We have a Facebook page. We can talk with you about your experience. Oh, and actually one of the Team Zen members just created a micro community within Team Zen. There's four or five moms and dads that have kids who are differently wired. And they're going to get together once or twice a month virtually using the technology Zoom that we use for Zen Talks. Um, so yeah, it's kind of cool just to see how this team evolves. Which was the point. Like, you know, as much as Todd and I are like, yeah, we'll answer your questions. Todd and I are there for support, but really the community is helping each other. Right. Um, so this is just a perfect example. So it's 25 bucks a month and we just did uh, our 54th Zen Talk and 55 is in a, a week from Friday. Um, so yeah, it's good stuff. And then I uh, also coach guys. So if there's any guys out there, if there's any uh, wives out there that think their husband might get something out of it. Um, it's in person or FaceTime or Zoom. Uh, first session's free. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. Anything else we have to promote, sweetie? I don't think so. Uh, 1440, it's in October, 25th through the 27th. You got to check that out, right? Yeah, and I guess long-term. Conference? Conference is February 28th and 29th. That's Leap so year. far away. Leap year. Yes, leap year. Leap into Zen Parenting Conference. That's right. And uh, so today, if you want to do something, write yourself a permission slip um, and remi- remind yourself that um, you have choice. And that you're awesome. Yes. Keep trucking, everybody. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's a $25 monthly subscription where you'll get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us questions. If you can't join us live, you can still access all Zen talks through the Team Zen private podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything we offer. Our tagline is zero pressure, 100% support. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. What about my books, sweetie? Just my books. I want to tell you about an exciting weekend workshop we have coming up on October 25th through the 27th at the Majestic 1440 Multiversity, nestled in the California Redwoods near Santa Cruz. For more details, send me an email at todd at zenparentingradio.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but Kathy and I get a small commission from Amazon. And don't forget to put next year's ZPR conference on your calendar. It's February 28th and 29th, 2020. Leap into the new year with us. That's right. Leap, sweetie. Uh, And guys, don't forget, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. Uh, So we talk about work-life balance, deepening relationships with loved ones. We can talk in person, by phone, or FaceTime. You get to choose. First session's free. For more information, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And don't forget about the Tribe Men's Group. We're finally reaching out beyond Chicago and are going to have some opportunities virtually. So head on over to tribemensgroup.org. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And I'd like to give special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He's a bald-headed beauty, and he can be found on the internet at avidco.net. And lastly, just thanks to all you listeners for listening and keeping us going after all these years. Cannot say thank you enough, and uh, keep trucking. Adios.